the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The Christian community often is disgraceful in the way they work. How many times have you heard statements like these? I'd rather deal with non-Christians in business. Too many Christians have really disappointed me in their business dealings. It's easier to deal with a non-Christian. At least they won't take advantage like a Christian will to another Christian brother. Or how about, well, he claims to be a Christian, but I know atheists that would work harder and do a better job than he does, yet he claims to be a believer. We hear this kind of stuff, and uh, unfortunately, it's probably very accurate. And so we need to understand what the Bible says about work. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He is in the middle of a series of messages about work. Not every professing Christian has a bad attitude about work, but enough do so that they taint the reputation of others and even tarnish the very name of Christ. There is no way to separate work from our testimony. So let's see what God has to say about how we should work. Here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. Years ago, Tennessee Ernie Ford used to sing a coal miner's song that when something I th- I'm not I'm not the special music, by the way. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just, this is the message. We're into it already. Used to sing a song that went something like this. 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. That old American folk song expressed for many people their view of work, a sort of a hopeless and frustrating situation, a situation in which you worked hard with raw human effort, and yet there was a feeling of being so enslaved to the job that even when the kingdom of God would call, there wouldn't be any response. I'm afraid a lot of Christians view their jobs and work very similarly to that song, something separate and unrelated from the Lord. And that's why we want to look at what the Bible has to say about work. We started this series a few weeks ago, and it sort of flowed out of our study from First and Second Thessalonians, because as we studied First and Second Thessalonians, we began to see that at that church, they had a very interesting problem number of Christians at that church didn't see their jobs as very important. In fact, they saw them as unrelated to the Lord's uh, return. In fact, they quit their jobs to wait for the Lord's return. And so their testimony was sort of put on the shelf as they waited for the Lord to come back. And they didn't realize how important that was, how important their jobs 
uh, really were in light of the Lord's return. They thought since he's coming back, why bother going on with your life? And so they destroyed their testimony because they became busybodies and they were visiting people at work and, and distracting them from their work and, and they were sponging off of the church and they wanted the church to, to take care of them because they were quote unquote so spiritual that they were, were waiting for the Lord to return and they could avoid their jobs. And Paul had to deal with this matter very, very uh, firmly. And uh, finally, as he closes Second Thessalonians, he says, if they don't respond, you must discipline them. That's how urgent and how important and significant a matter it really is. So with that in mind, uh, I feel that it's very important for us as a church to go over what, what God has to say about work, because work cannot be separated from our Christian testimonies. Uh, they tried to do that at Thessalonica, and Paul had to deal with that, and it was a heartache to the Apostle Paul. In fact, he made sure that, that he always gave them the right example. He said, I worked night and day, and I worked hard to give you an example, to show you this is the way it's to be done. And many believe that what Paul meant by that was that uh, during the, the day he worked as a tent maker, and at night he preached the gospel, or vice versa. And so Paul said, I set you an example, I labored hard, I showed you that, uh, that you should not uh, be a leech off of the church, you should not take advantage of the church, you ought to sacrifice for others and work hard. Now, do we need instruction like this? All churches need instruction like this. All Christians need instruction like this. In fact, uh, I contend that we need it more than we can imagine. The Christian community often is disgraceful in the way they work. How many times have you heard statements like these? I'd rather deal with non-Christians in business. Too many Christians have really disappointed me in their business dealings. It's easier to deal with a non-Christian. At least they won't take advantage like a Christian will to another Christian brother. Yeah, I've had my dealings with, with Christians and never again. Or how about... Well, he claims to be a Christian, but uh, I know atheists that would work harder and do better, a better job than he does, yet he claims to be a believer. We hear this kind of stuff, and uh, unfortunately, it's probably very accurate. And so we need to understand what the Bible says about, about work. Last time we looked at this subject, we focused on one question, why work? Just one question, why should we work? There are so many problems that we have involved with work. Uh, personality conflicts, uh, pay conflicts, time, hours, uh, just, just the, the you know, initiative to get up and go to work when we don't feel like it. All those things, and we asked ourselves, why should we work? And we said at that time, and this is very, very important, number one, there's two basic reasons, but number one, because God ordained in his word that our lives should be spent working. Even when you retire from a paid job, that doesn't mean that you stop working. I mean, whether you can't pay for it or not is not the primary issue. The issue is you never stop working. Always involved in some kind of work unless you uh, are so handicapped that you couldn't. Adam was commanded to work even before the fall of man. And we saw that work is not a curse. Work was, was given to Adam before the fall. Now it becomes uh, much harder because of the fall of man, but work was, was ordained before the fall. And Adam was to see his work as service to God. And we went back into the early chapters of Genesis, and we saw that Adam was to say, this is my service to God, my creator. And that's why 
If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we looked at this last time, but just a quick review, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. That's why when the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian slaves, and we may not have slaves today, but the broad principle is employees now, he says this, he says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, or employees, be obedient to those who are your employers, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. See your service as to the Lord, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And the basic message here is this. Look at your work as serving the Lord. Not a man, not a master, not an employer. Yes, do your best job for them, but, but see beyond them and see that your work is to be service to God, to Christ. And when we work, God receives the glory. Why? And what does it mean for God to be glorified? We hear that expression so much, glorify God. What does it mean? Basically, it means to recognize him for who he really is. That's really what giving God glory means. It means to recognize him to be the God of glory. And when we respond properly in obedience, God is glorified. So when we're busy working, it is a recognition that the God who made us made us to work. And that gives God glory. That's the first reason. We work because God ordained us to work and it gives him glory and we're to see our service, see it as service to him. The second reason is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. And we really uh, labored the point on this because this is very, very important. We are to work so that we can share with those who have real needs. Ephesians chapter 4, did I say labor the point? That wasn't intended to be a pun, but that is kind of funny, labor the point. Thank you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him who steals, steal no longer. In other words, the new man, and we saw this this morning about the new man. The new man is to live a certain way. Let him who steals, steal no longer. New men don't act like old men. They don't steal. The old man steals. But rather, let him labor. Not only does the new man stop stealing, but he, he begins to work hard. He labors, performing with his own hands what is good. Now, the new man doesn't just work hard, and the new man doesn't just stop stealing. The new man works hard with a specific motive in mind, a specific goal, and that is in order. Here's the reason, here's the purpose. In order that he may have something to share with him who has need. So the new man doesn't just work to take care of himself and, and his family's needs, though that is true, and he ought to. But the new man goes a step beyond that. He says, look, I don't want to accumulate wealth, wealth for myself. I don't want to just get rich so I can get this and that. And that. He says, no, I want to make money so I can give it away. So if, if I see someone who's really in need, then I have the freedom to say, look, I can meet your need. And so that puts work in a whole different perspective. That, that raises the very dignity of work to make it unselfish and godly and Christ-like and giving. So the reason we, we work so we can give to others. Yes, take care of ourselves. Yes, take care of our families. But go a step beyond that and take care of those who have legitimate needs. How does this work? Let me give you an illustration of this, which um, they did in the early church, and we need to practice this in the church of the 20th century. Would you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5? Just one illustration of how, of how believers are to take care of other believers. 
Many, many examples in the scriptures of, of how the church was sensitive to the needs of others, but one stands out in my mind. I just want to share it with you. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 begins to speak about widows. Now, the theme of First Timothy is how the church ought to conduct itself. Uh, Paul writes, uh, Timothy, I'm, I'm writing this to you so you know that before I get there, you know how the church, the household of God, ought to conduct itself. And so he goes through a number of different, uh, different church functions. He deals with elders. He deals with the church service. He deals with prayer in the service. Uh, and he deals with other issues. And now he's going to deal with widows. The early church is very sensitive to widows, and we need to be also. And he says in verse 3, honor widows who are widows indeed. What is a widow indeed? It's a, it's a widow really who has needs. It's a, uh, a widow who has nobody else to take care of her. That's what a, a widow indeed is. Not just a, a widow, but it's a widow who, who without, some, without the church taking care of her, she, she doesn't have anyone to take care of her. Verse 4, but if, and by the way, when the scripture says honor, it probably means by respect and also the context would, uh, would seem to be saying very strongly financial support if needed. Financial support and honor. So you honor, respect widows. Verse 4 says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, in other words, if she's a widow, not uh, indeed a widow who does have children or does even have grandchildren. <clears throat> Let them first learn, and it means now the children and the grandchildren, not the widow. Let them, the children or grandchildren, first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. What a great verse. Great verse. Great truth. Children owe their parents a great debt that they can never fully repay. Think about all the love and the care Probably you parents probably say, that's right. Preach this. That's right. All the love and the care and the patience and, and the self-sacrifice bestowed upon children during infancy and, and childhood. I remember watching uh, one of the funniest television shows, I think, on the air, a very clean, moral show, is the uh, Bill Cosby show. And I remember his son saying to him, Dad, I, I want to buy a motorcycle and I will, uh, uh, I'll pay you back the money. And Bill Cosby, is a classic line, he said, Son, you already owe me $40,000 for raising you. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's really true. It's more like 80000 but uh, But who's counting, you know? But for all the things that, that parents do for their children, a child can never fully repay their parents. And so that's what, that's what this, this verse is saying in verse 4. It's saying, let them make some return to their parents. They can't make all the return, but some return if their parents have needs and they can meet that needs, th those needs. Let them first practice piety in regard to their own family. Let them do it at home. But what if they don't? What if a Christian, a professing Christian, does not meet the needs of his widow, his mother, his widowed grandmother? Well, verse 8 tells us that. But if any does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
Now, he hasn't denied uh, the faith by his words. He hasn't said, I refuse to believe in Christ. No, that's not what Paul means. But by his sinful negligence of providing for his own loved ones. And it indicates a lack of love, a deep lack of love. And if you have, uh, if you do not have this kind of love that would look upon a, a mother who is widowed or a grandmother who is widowed and out of a heart of compassion would meet their needs when they have nobody else. Remember, in those days, they didn't have the government to step in. And if a, if a child or a grandchild would so harden their hearts to take care of their destitute mother or grandmother, then the scripture says, you don't know Christ and you don't have the kind of love that would indicate that you know Christ. You have denied the faith. And, and Paul says this is worse than unbelievers. Pagan reverence for ancestors is a well-known religious phenomenon, especially in Oriental uh, countries and cultures. Uh, there is a deep reverence for ancestors. And so Paul's saying even the pagans wouldn't do this, and they don't, they don't have the specific commands of Scripture to honor parents, and they know better. Well, that's just one illustration of how Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, comes into view. You make money, you meet the needs of those who have real needs, especially your family members. So why do we work? Well, those are the two reasons. Glory to God, service to him, and to meet the needs of of others. But a second question we want to ask is how should we work? We know why we ought to work, but how should we work? How, how should we carry and conduct ourselves in working? I believe as Christians, our work ought to be characterized as godly and different from unbelievers. It really ought to be different. Our work should be different. The way we, we conduct ourselves in our work situations, whether it's at home or whether it's on a job or whether we're the boss or whether we're the employee, makes no difference. We ought to be unique, peculiar, different. And a godly approach to work always begins with a godly attitude from the worker. Always a godly attitude. Years ago, I worked in a warehouse of a store, and the main thing that I remember hearing just about every day that I worked there was somebody was complaining. Somebody was griping. Somebody had a problem with what someone over them told them to do. Uh, they may have gone about and obeyed their employee or their that level higher than them, but they did it with a grumbling spirit, complaining spirit, not with a spirit of submission. And that's the one thing that stands out in my mind about that job. Ephesians chapter 6, and you need to turn there, and we're just sort of going through the scriptures, not a verse-by-verse study, just, just sort of an over. Uh, overview of what the scriptures say about work. Topical study. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5 says this, slaves be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh. Be obedient. Be obedient. As Christian employees, if you're a Christian employee, it means you are to submit to your employer, regardless of the way that you're treated. Regardless. Paul didn't uh, clarify that. He, he didn't make an exception. He didn't say, look, if they treat you in a rotten way, then you don't need to respond properly. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, the theme of 1 Peter is about suffering, and one of the ways that the early church suffered is from the masters and the way they treated their slaves. And 1 Peter 2 addresses that issue when it says in verse 18, servants, and it means slaves, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Well, you say, wait a minute, you don't know my boss. 
I mean, that's easy for you to say. You don't know my boss. Well, look what Peter says, not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable. In the King James Version, it translates as perverse. Those who are perverse, unreasonable, ungodly men, show them respect regardless of how they treat you, regardless of of how they are. Now, how unreasonable could slave owners be? If you think you have problems with your boss, believe me, it doesn't even compare to the slave and the problems that he had with the slave owners of the first century. Legally, the slave was considered the property of the master. There was nothing he could do about it. Legally, that's the way it was. The slave had absolutely no rights. The government didn't step in and say, well, look, you have got your rights. No, no rights at all. The slave... Uh, could be could be handled any way the master wanted to. The master could do to him whatever he pleased to do. John Stott, in his excellent commentary on Ephesians, writing about the slave situation in the first century, and by the way, there were about six million slaves. I mean, there were a lot of slaves, writes this. Slaves were sometimes whipped, mutilated, and imprisoned in chains. Their teeth were knocked out, their eyes gouged out. They were even thrown to the wild beasts or crucified, and all this sometimes for the most trivial offenses. The fact that some slaves ran away risking if caught, branding, flogging, and even execution, while others committed suicide, is sufficient evidence that cruelty toward them was widespread. Now maybe you understand why Onesimus uh, fled from Philemon, and there were many like that, truly uh, cruelly treated by their slave owners. Not, not all slave owners were like that, but enough were like that so that you get the picture that, that that's why Peter had to say, no matter how they treat you, you respond properly. So the application to us is no matter how rough your boss is with you, you are to treat him properly and you are to respond with a submissive, obedient spirit. It was to this and these mistreated slaves that the Apostle Paul says, submit to your masters. Submit to them. Don't complain. Submit. But what if you aren't obedient to your boss? What what if you just refuse to do that? Do you know who really gets hurt the most? You don't. And your boss doesn't. Unfortunately, the Lord does. And that's brought out in Titus chapter 2. That's the sad thing. The Lord gets disgraced. We usually move on to another job and forget about it and The boss hires somebody else and forgets about it, but it's the Lord's testimony who really gets damaged. Titus chapter 2, verse 9 says this. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to paraphrase it. 9 and 10, urge bond slaves, and it means, you know, slaves, common slaves, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, which means stealing, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Let me paraphrase it for you. What he's saying is basically this. Look, obey your boss. Don't talk back. Don't steal from him. Don't complain. Don't gripe. And if you do this, and you you act the way you ought to act, if you don't do these things and you do what's proper, the Christian message will be attractive to your unsaved boss. That's what he's saying. If you really want your message, the message of the gospel, to be attractive, then you act in an attractive manner. There is no escaping it. What we believe reveals itself in how we behave. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this challenging message in our next class. 
Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries and financed by our listeners. Here is Pastor Steve to talk more about that aspect of this ministry. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. It's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you. Another way to contact us is through the website, versebyverseradio.org. In addition to contact information, we have a large selection of previous classes in MP3 format, ready for you to download and listen to. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to order a CD or a cassette with this entire message, please call us at the number Pastor Steve just mentioned, 727-441-1714. Leave a name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Are you one of the many, maybe the majority, of Americans who are really not enjoying their jobs? If you're not, I'm sure you know someone who is in that boat. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve plans to tell us some of the things God might be trying to teach us as He directs our lives through those times when we are not happy in our work. I hope you can be here for some very practical insights. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.